0: all right welcome to black equity podcast and this is my first time having a chance to sit down with daryl r where uh do you in the public do you say the second as well
1: i do i do for now at least i do okay daryl r okay. where the second
0: for now Understood. I, uh, my first time meeting you how are you doing today
1: good man uh I had some interesting trolls uh bother me on Facebook last night, which is nothing new. Uh, okay. When I ran for mayor, I had to deal with that. But uh at this point I don't even know why I'm responding. But besides that, uh I'm good, man. I'm good.
0: Okay. So you you, you uh you dropped a little jewel there. You ran for mayor before. When did this happen? Uh how did this happen and how does that impact you today? Word. So let me
1: just give a brief introduction of who I am. All right. Okay. All right. My name is Daryl R. II. I'm the founder of Think Cheap. Think Cheap is a $7.411 billion publishing company that provides stories of true faith and love for women of color in the United States of America. I'm the first black 30 year old multi billionaire in world history. I ran for mayor of Shreveport, Louisiana in 2022. I was endorsed by Run for Something, which is a progressive PAC. I was endorsed by uh, 314 Action Fund, which is a scientific uh, political action committee. I was 28 and 29 when I received those two endorsements. I'm the first African-American to graduate with a in Public Health from D Cornell University. I was 25 years old at graduation. 25 at graduation, right? I'm also trilingual. Uh, In addition to that, I'm an ambassador for the Democratic uh, National Committee. I am the wealthiest person in the history of the state of Louisiana.
0: Wow. Let's just go from there. So, okay.
1: And had Forbes had interviewed me and I'd actually shared my total business valuation in time, by metrics, I would have been ranked number 128 on the Forbes 400 list. Okay. I just had to put that out there, man.
0: Okay. And so how often does Forbes do this thing? And why are they the gatekeepers of wealth?
1: Forbes isn't the gatekeepers of wealth. They're just the largest media publication that centers its programming around wealth. Uh, So
0: Forbes,
1: Wall Street Journal, uh, Bloomberg, uh, Fortune, you know, basically the Forbes Fund 400 is the individual version of fortune 500 companies right so you have the the, the 500 most valuable companies in the world or in the united states and then you have uh the Forbes 400 which is the people with the most amount of wealth
0: understood so you built this amazing brand this amazing company mm-hmm. uh obviously if you are uh, the way my mind works is if I'm bringing in this amount of revenue, that means I'm making that much impact on the world. So mm-hmm. tell me about uh, Think Chief and the impact that you're currently making. Sure, sure,
1: sure. Before we get into revenue, uh, here's the thing about startups and building companies. Um, I recently heard uh, the Forbes reporters talking about uh, Kim Kardashian and how she just received uh, maybe like $100 in liquid funding. Uh, that's before revenue was even started uh, within her company. So the way people measure wealth differs based on who you're talking to and who they're talking about and the company in specific. For Not instance, sure. uh, Think Chief right now hasn't even scratched the surface of the amount of revenue that it's, it's proposed to make, right? I'm going yeah. to receive a lump sum of $2 million just for filming in Louisiana if I spend that amount of money. If I decide to spend $2 million, I make a $1 million for myself. That's after I pay everybody else. Um, but to make a long story short, my company provides value on every single inch of every single uh, value stream to women of color in the United States of America. Think Chief, although revenue is not high yet, I also haven't been pumping any funds into it yet. Um, Think Chief is 100% profitable. 100% profitable. 100% profitability. That's just based off
0: Congratulations. of uh,
1: thank you. Just off the yeah. sale of the Book of Poems with no um paid marketing. That's with also a poetry recital, which mm. didn't receive as much, you know, uh marketing as it needed. Um that's also with monetization on social media. I have a hundred percent profitable multi-billion dollar company, and mm. I haven't received any liquid funding from any major Venture capital firm, any private equity firm, uh, but I don't need to because all I need to do is pay a ninety-five dollar phone bill from Verizon, from Verizon Wireless,
0: um,
1: to repair my credit, and then I can actually receive my own funding, and I don't have to ask anybody for anything. Uh, but now that Think Chief has reached a valuation where I feel comfortable, and I feel like I've maxed out the value that I add uh, to women of color in the United States of America. Um, now it's time to start looking for liquid funding and making sure that operations get rolling because this is now the time to start filming. I have Jane Elliott, who is my first main actress, on standby. I have my cinematographer. Um, I've been working with uh, the Actors Union uh, to make sure that I, you know, comply with their contract. Uh, and that's just the start of it, man. Mm-hmm. I got Chief Ware on the way. Uh, there. I, I, I founded the Distinguished Women of Color Club, which is basically a subscription service, but they will be treated um, like the quality priority that they are as customers of Think Chief, and also build up a brand for women of color in the United States where there seems to be a gap mix, which is why Think Chief is a multi-billion dollar, color, a multi-billion dollar company uh, because no one else is serving women of color in the United States of America the way that I can. Uh, and that is how you bring value to the United States. That is how you bring uh, recognition of women of color on a global scale. Um, and that is how you become a billionaire at 30 years old, regardless of who decides to help you or not. Uh, and I didn't have to sell out.
0: I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. So how are we serving uh, women of color? What's What's the mission?
1: Yeah. So the mission has always been about providing stories of true faith and love, right? Yeah. Um, his Historically, uh, I'll start with black women. Uh, black women have always been hypersexualized within mainstream media. Think Chief does not do that. Uh, there have always been negative stereotypes and connotations associated with Black women. Think Chief does not do that. Uh, with Latino women, some of the same thing. Uh, Asian women uh, always are, are are being shown as, as docile when they're some of the hardest working women um, that I've ever encountered uh, within my work experience. Uh, so. The misrepresentation of women of color in the United States and on a global level has always bothered me, uh, but I was never in a position to do anything about it because I was still learning um, more about the world around me and learning more about how to become a better executive. Now that I've got my executive experience by running my mayoral campaign committee, uh, Mm -hmm. by learning from major healthcare organizations all across the country, such as Susan G. Coleman, uh, Kaiser Permanente, where the workers are currently going on strike, uh, Northwestern Medicine, Texas Children's Hospital. Now that I've developed my competencies as an executive leader, um, in addition to being well-informed culturally uh, by the women in the United States, because how can I start a business if I didn't listen to my customers first? Um, But what I'm offering first is 28 A Book of Poems. And it started with an ode to Michelle Obama because that is a woman uh, within the history of the United States who I still feel hasn't received the flowers that she still so well deserves. I had to write a poem about it. And so uh, it just started from there, and that led to uh, an ode to Fannie Louheimer. War, uh, watch him, put your hands up, leave God alone. Um, The book is actually right here. It is available on Amazon.com. Amazon has just actually... Uh, accepting me as an Amazon influencer, so I will be using that as another revenue stream. Uh, I mean, if you look at me, you are looking at a seven point four one billion dollar business, uh, and all it took is ed- education and experience um, and staying true to myself.
0: Okay, so you're 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 one of those people I've always wanted to meet. You did it a different way you're not measured necessarily by society uh norms um and you you feel a little like a rebel in a way I'm, I, just let me know
1: i would call myself a rebel I, okay. i'm just simply doing what needs to be done that's
0: it Ooh, okay fair i i apologize so you was always a billionaire no no let let me explain my theory let me let me explain my theory you being a billionaire now Mm -hmm. is because you always knew you would be oh yes
1: but here let me say this right um Right now, the home I'm staying in, is substandard housing, but it's, it's housing at this point. I've been homeless before, so uh, the people with low standards would say it's better than nothing, but I'm happy to be here uh, because I started a billion-dollar business, not because that I enjoyed housing. Uh, but to talk about being a billionaire, uh, one of the movies that inspired me when I was a kid, right next door, the, the house next door, I used to watch Richie Rich when I was a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when I
1: watched richard Rich, I said that's the life I want to have. You know, not necessarily um all the the assets and all all the fun stuff and all that, but it was just like why should I be living in 11108 Shreveport, Louisiana when I know that that exists somewhere in the world. Uh and so when I was an undergrad at Louisiana Tech, for all the crap that they give me on social media right now, I used to go around catch tell everybody, I'm going to be a CEO. I'm gonna be a millionaire by 30 years old. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. As I learned more and more and more, as I studied Bill Gates, as I studied uh, Robert F. Smith, uh, and a number of Steve Jobs, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, um, the founder of McDonald's, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, the Walton family, uh, uh, Rockefeller, Carnegie. There are a number of people who I studied over the years. And I just said to myself, If these guys can do that, I know I can do this. And so that million turned into a billion uh, because I saw the value um, in owning over a billion dollars in assets and what that can do for the future of children in the United States.
0: So you said something earlier in this episode, and I think we got to touch on it. You said without selling out.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. What what is selling out, and why did you choose not to do it?
1: This goes back to the C word. Uh, okay. you have to read twenty eight book of poems if you're not up to speed on what the C word is anymore. Okay. I mean if you're not up to speed on what the C word is yet, you, you have to read twenty eight book of poems or watch some of my previous things. Okay, selling out is doing something to make money just for the sake of making money. Even though you know it's wrong, mm. or you do not want to do it, right? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna name someone right now. Uh, what's her name? Uh, sexy Red. Sexy Red is an example. Uh, I know how I I I get where Sexy Red comes from, and Sexy Red herself said in a tweet, "I'm just trying to make money and feed my family, so I can't blame someone for Sexy Red for." publishing content or publishing art, uh, that's a misrepresentation of the vast majority of women of color in the world. Uh, but that's capitalism and, and Sexy Red needs that money. So you can't blame Sexy Red, you have to blame capitalism. And You have to blame the people who exploit her as a result of capitalism. Remember, uh, capitalism means exploitation and many of these artists are being exploited. I would
0: oh, never do so. You know, they talk a lot about the theory of the $40 million slave. I forget who wrote the book. Uh, mm-hmm. on that. A lot of people may be making a lot of money
1: mm-hmm.
0: or the appearance of it. And they're doing things that they don't necessarily want to do, but they're only doing mm-hmm. it for the money. Mm-hmm. And, and you dropping that piece of wisdom on me Alerts me to the fact that a lot of people are selling out. They're not doing what they what their mission was. They're just doing what the money is uh, designated designated for them to do.
1: Right. But here's the thing, right? You have to you have to keep uh, the continual history within the back of your mind at all times. Mm. Listen clearly when I say this. Okay. There are African American men, African American women. Latino men, Latino women, Asian men, Asian women who have all made sacrifices, who have gone on to take corporate jobs or going on to take high paying jobs, because if you don't have the capital, we wouldn't be able to move forward politically, right? We had Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther King had backers. Malcolm X was a very prolific speaker and advocate on behalf of African Americans. But he was not able to accomplish the widespread advocacy and nonprofit work that Martin Luther King was able to accomplish because Martin Luther King had backers, and who were those backers? Black businessmen, African American women with their own publishing companies, uh, Jewish uh, members of society who owned their own companies, who sacrificed and volunteered as attorneys. Uh, for people with a different skin color than just because they understand the sacrifices that it takes uh, when fighting for human rights uh, across any type of diaspora. So there are sacrifices that need to be made. Uh, I'm fortunate to live in a generation where the Internet exists. Uh, and so learning uh, how to operate Windows and um, iOS at a young age has allowed me to capitalize on uh, technology that wasn't meant for me to become successful. In.
0: Okay. You talked earlier about you. you told yourself one day you'd become a millionaire, mm-hmm. and now you've reached this this uh this frequency of billionaire. Mm-hmm. What would the billionaire self tell the millionaire self, uh, for there to be the the millionaire to make it to that billionaire frequency? What's uh, the difference?
1: Focus on the customer. Focus on the customer. It's it's really that simple. Focus on the customer. When I was trying to become a when I was trying to become a millionaire, I was thinking, what's the best job for me? What's the best industry for me to become a CEO? Gotcha. The billionaire said, what's the biggest problem that needs to be solved that I am most qualified to accomplish and provide for the customer? That gotcha. is the difference between the millionaire and the billionaire. The millionaire is looking for the highest paying job. The billionaire is looking for the biggest problem with the greatest amount of potential of solving.
0: Great answer. Okay. So you shifted uh, your thinking to a frequency of focusing specifically on your customer.
1: Correct.
0: Wow. Powerful. And so by doing that, that elevates everything within your ecosystem. Correct. Okay. So how did you know to do that? Education. So here's the
1: thing. I received my foundational knowledge uh, within my 40 degree from Louisiana Tech. I have a bachelor's in management uh, with a minor in history, but I studied political science, law, science, you name education, psychology, sociology. Um, I used to get in arguments with my uh, with my women's studies professor in sociology, but I think it's funny uh, coming back full circle. But when I went to Cornell University and I knew Robert F. Smith was a billionaire who was also a philanthropist donating his wealth to um, to Morehouse when he mm-hmm. didn't attend Morehouse. When I saw that I said, okay, there's somebody like me out there, and he went to Cornell. I was recruited to Cornell. I I, I wasn't going to apply. I was recruited to Cornell. But once I got there, I said, okay, this is school that Robert F. Smith went to. I'm not following up behind Robert F. Smith without doing my own thing. And I went around looking for a co-founder while I was at school. And if I would have found the right co-founder, I probably would have dropped out. Uh, but I never found that co-founder. I didn't need it, after all. Uh, but I took courses and I learned from venture capitalists. I learned from other founders. I learned from chief executive officers. I traveled to San Francisco, Silicon Valley, um, and learned from Stanford business student, Harvard business student, Wharton business students, uh, physicians who had started their own companies, uh, neuroscientists with their own companies. Um, I learned from the smartest people in the country. I learned from the most ambitious people in the country. Um, And I watched the wealthiest people in the country um, operate. And I said, I have the potential to do the exact same thing. Um, But I had to make sure I had my foundational knowledge um, intact. And I had to make sure that um, I was culturally competent. So that way, the same way I can walk into a room and speak to a Black uh, audience of of senior citizen, older African-American women, I can walk into a hall full of Middle Eastern men and talk about how clean energy may be a better alternative to oil reserves. Uh, And that has allowed me to become a founder um, that can speak to my customers in ways that others may not be able to, and they will be able to see that it's dangerous.
0: Wow. Powerful. What, you know, when we first got on.
1: And by the way, uh, Pat Forbes had interviewed me. All of my peers at 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 128 on the Forbes 100 list, they all own oil pipelines, except maybe one or two. Everyone who's ranked right, 128 just has my name, the name of my book, just has to be uh, 28. A book of Pauls, but everyone who's ranked at 128 basically owns an oil pipeline.
0: Powerful. And why I do you th- put that out there? Why do you think that is?
1: Because natural resources and, and precious gems um, are some of the most rare commodities uh, mm. within the world that we have. You no, know, those are Um, They it takes um, hundreds, if not thousands, of years to replenish that type of thing, depending on how you know molten rock and magma and all that stuff goes. Oh, uh, and indigenous rock. But long story short, they had access to acquire this type of wealth early on. Uh, I didn't. And so I had to create my own way. I don't come from a family of wealth. I inherited nothing. My father was killed when he was 20. Uh, My mother was uh, uh, a mother of three. Right? I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. I didn't inherit anything. I had to do this on my own.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's important for people to know. Yeah. Because as your story gets more and more out there... I think people are going to think it just automatically was there. And uh, would you agree the classic book uh, think and grow rich? Did you think your way to this frequency or would would you disagree with that theory?
1: Think and grow rich is one of the best books ever written. You do it. It, It starts in the mind. It starts Mm -hmm. with the mind. Um, It starts with the mind. Uh, For instance, uh, a lot of people call themselves broke. Mm -hmm. I would never call myself broke. i call myself poor. I would never call myself broke. Being poor means you simply need wealth. Being broke means something is wrong with you that needs to be fixed. Mm. And when you're saying that to express you being poor, you're saying that you're a broken human being or a broken person or a broken man or a broken woman because you don't have money. And what you're saying is you're not a human being if you don't have any money. And I tend to not respect people when they call themselves broke.
0: I respect that. That's a nice nugget. You're dropping a lot of nuggets of wisdom on us. Uh, yeah. Today. So what's the future hold? Where Where do you want, how do you want to impact society? You, you talked about focusing on uh, solving the biggest problems. What are some of the big problems you want to solve in the world?
1: Uh, well, politically speaking, um, I'm already a part of the National Infrastructure uh, Bank Coalition. Uh, which is basically a $5 trillion bank um, that's going to allow states within the United States of America uh, to apply to the federal government and try to repair some of their bridges, some of their roads, uh, some of their um, airports, whatever it may be, so they can simply just apply to the federal government uh, and be able to get those things taken care of as opposed to um, doing the traditional way, which is basically left all the infrastructure in the United States around a C minus or D minus level.
0: Yeah.
1: In addition to that, um, I'm also um, a part of a gang that wants to establish uh, Medicare for All uh, because the United States is one of the only last leaders in the world to not have healthcare guaranteed as a human right. Last but certainly not least, um, I am trying to spearhead reparations for the descendants of African slaves or African enslaved people within the United States. I've already called for a bill to be introduced into the Louisiana legislature uh, to introduce reparations here within the state of Louisiana. It does not, these things are not a small problem. when I walk outside of my house, all I see is poverty. Uh, if you go around Louisiana, all you see is poverty. So although i never was elected within the state of Louisiana, the problems that I'm trying to solve will disproportionately impact Louisiana because Louisiana is at least 30% African-American and Louisiana uh, had one of the highest concentrations of enslaved African people within the United States. It's in the Bible Belt, the Cotton Belt, the Black Belt, uh, whatever you like to refer to it as. Uh, but that is the type of policy I would like to see enacted at Louis- in Louisiana, uh, but across the United States as well. Because as you know, um, African-Americans and Black people as a whole do not have wealth uh, at any rate At any rate, that's even close um, to white Americans. Uh, And that's simply because uh, it was designed that way. Because race um, is a social structure that was created by white men in power to divide wealth and resources amongst themselves and no one else.
0: You know, we had a conversation maybe last season or the season before. Uh, It was a really great conversation about the talented 10th. Uh, Mm -hmm. with a a friend of mine, Brittany. And um, are you familiar with the theory of the talented 10?
1: Yes. So uh, this is funny. I I read The Souls of Black Folk. I read all of W.E.B. Du Bois' studies of inner-city Philadelphia. Um, I understood why he left and and decided to move to Africa uh, because he was sick of all of the conflict and, 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 and the inequity of living in the United States. Uh, but as someone who grew up in the hood, um, I didn't like the fact that there was someone speaking about me and my people as if we needed to be safe. However, now that I'm older and I am a multi-billionaire and I am one of the most educated people in the world, right? Um, and I am one of the most powerful people in the world at 30 years old. I can't run from that anymore. Uh, I am a member of the talented tent that he was speaking of. There are not many of us who are called to be leaders. There are not many of us who even want to carry the responsibility of being a leader. There are not many of us who can even fathom that a black man in leadership is warranted nor needed. Um, And there are not many of us who have the wherewithal, the resilience, um, the independence, um, and the integrity to follow through on being true to themselves and racing to the finish line for everyone, regardless of how you're treated along the way. Um, I am a member of the Talented Tent. I rejected it during my mayoral campaign, but now I have to embrace it because if I said anything other than that, because the statistics are in my face, um, I would be lying to myself. And one thing I am not is a liar. I'm not about to lie to you, so I'm definitely not about to lie to myself. I am a member of the Talented Tent.
0: Well. When we talk about, because you said one of, and by the way, the, the three areas that you have uh, interest in, I have interest in as well. When we talk mm-hmm. about America's infrastructure, uh, medicine, uh, healthcare, medicine for all, Medicare for all. But mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you specifically about the third one you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is spearheading reparations. Right, our podcast really centers around uh, wealth equity. Oh, yeah, this
1: is Black Equity podcast. This is the place to do it. We got to do it, it,
0: right? Um, I mentioned earlier about the Talented 10th episode. In that episode, a conversation that was brought up is that no matter how well financial literacy is, no matter how much money we make uh, as uh, entrepreneurs, the only way to truly close the wealth gap has been estimated to be some form of reparations. I I think it's a an important question to ask. Do you agree with that theory, or where do you stand on that theory?
1: Let me tell you this. All right, um, this is this is a great question. I've, I've never had anyone ask me any questions about to this degree. Right. Um, I give you an example. Uh, there's me. Uh, and then there's, I would say, the average um, black man who grows up in Shreveport, Louisiana, just like me. Mm-hmm. I just so happen to get, to get lucky in so many near-close calls, and also just having to be extremely ambitious and dedicated without having any wealth. It's very unique for someone like me to come out of the trenches and make it to the very top of society where I, to where I'm even mentioned in the same breath as the uh, 400. Now, how could my path have been easier, right? If we're talking about the Talented Tent, if I'm a member of the, talent t- of the Talented Tent, how could my path have been easier? Someone could have gave me money or wealth to inherit. So imagine if yeah. my road. If my path was extremely challenging, imagine what it's like for someone who may not have the inspiration or the wherewithal to see past color and seek inspiration from someone like Bill Gates, right? While also fighting institutional racism, while also fighting against uh, draconian laws that are meant to keep them in jail and then have that revolving door of putting them back in there because they want to be tough on crime in addition to dealing with the, the breakdown of the Black family, in addition to poor media representation, in addition to the lack of Black leaders because they were all assassinated during the 60s, and whoever was not assassinated during the 60s were arrested during the 70s. Um, and then the ones who are now leading us, people don't even listen to uh, because they tend to work in politics. And, 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 and by, by and large, a lot of people don't trust politicians. But they don't understand that it's not politicians that they shouldn't be trusting, it's the Republican Party that African American and black people should not be trusting to do what's best for them. I literally just heard Matt Gates uh say that it's disturbing that we're that we're trying to expand Medicaid for people. I built a multi-billion dollar company while on Medicaid and food steps, Ooh. right? Someone like me, you you see what I'm saying? All I have is, I didn't even have internet to begin with, right? Uh, So when you talk about reparations, money makes everything easier, right? Money makes everything easier. So how do you help the people in Shreveport? How do you help the people in New Orleans? How do you help people in Baton Rouge, uh, the United States, uh, the Southeast? Um, the east coast, the west coast, the midwest because regardless of whatever city you go to, African Americans and Latinos are always at the bottom. What do they need that the government and no one else has been giving them? Money. Most of these crimes would not be happening if these people had money, if my people had money. Uh, And so the United States government at least should be giving the descendants of enslaved African people money because the wealth of America was built on chattel slavery. The White House was built by enslaved African people. Regardless of where you go across the United States, the stains of chattel slavery and the brutal punishment of black people stains this entire country. That's why we need reparations. What do you
0: think, or have you? How do you have a? Have you had the chance to determine what that number should be?
1: Now, here's the thing. I give credit where credit is due. I do not know all these things. However, there is a congressional study in the works and the state of California, which is always the leading progressive state when it comes to policy. They're putting together a study on what's the best way to implement reparations uh, for African-Americans and Black people throughout the United States. So they're putting out their study. I have my framework for what I believe can work. I won't speak to those details right now, but I'm going to stay tuned to their study. I'm gonna stay tuned to what um, the congressional leaders Uh, and the House Democrats um, are doing. Um, And then I'm going to take all that information and figure out what do I believe is the best decision? What do they think is the best decision? And then ask the people what they think will be the best decision. Because again, part of there being a lack of wealth in our communities, there's also a lack of wealth literacy. So people may not even know how to spend that money properly. So the government has to roll this out to make sure that we don't just waste our money, right? Because we've seen people win a lottery and blow all that money within a week or a month. I couldn't imagine doing that. I couldn't fathom doing that. When I realized I was a billionaire, the only thing I wanted to do was donate to different uh, charitable causes, you know, once I've taken care of myself and my family.
0: Let's say that day does happen. Let's say... Mm -hmm you're spearheading this, you get reparations mm-hmm. through, uh, not just mm-hmm. you, but, all oh, you know, everybody collectively working together. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. say the number is a really great number and everybody's financially wealthy at that point. Mm-hmm. How does society look at that, look different if African-Americans are financially wealthy? And let's say they, they went through their wealth literacy, wealth equity uh, yeah. classes, Uh, or wealth literacy classes. And Mm -hmm. so, what does that world look like?
1: All right, Uh, I'm gonna use, there are a few cities you can look at. You can look at East St. Louis, you can look at Baltimore, you can look at Shreveport, Louisiana, you can look at New Orleans, Uh, you can look at a few cities, right? You you can look at, uh, you can look at a few cities in California, look at Compton, right? And you look at the infrastructure, right? Uh, The National Infrastructure Bank will improve the environment so everyone feels better about where they live. And that decreases daily household expenses just as not seeing your tire blown out because you have potholes that you gotta drive through all the time and all those car repairs. So National Infrastructure Bank will take care of that. But when you talk about uh, reparations and the literacy rate being increased, you're going to see more black entrepreneurs You're going to see more Latino entrepreneurs uh, with sustainable generational businesses, right? We're able to build restaurants, right? We're able to own, you know, uh, a few liquor stores, right? We're able to own a few mom and pop stores, but we're talking about generational wealth to where people won't even have to leave their community. And that's not segregation. That's freedom of choice. That's called having multiple producers within a consumer economy. So you have to compete on the best price and the best quality and the best service, right? It's easy for someone like T-Mobile to treat a customer who may be a member of a minority population uh, with a level of apathy because they don't have to compete with an African-American or Latino owned cellular company, right? And so the more we can get people of color involved in the economy with their own money, with their own wealth, and they're not being drained by daily bills, such as the electricity bill, such as the water bill, such as high internet bills. If we can just have people who have money to where they can buy what they need and then also invest and save, because not only are people of color in the United States unable to save as much as they need to. White people are also unable to save and pay for emergency medical bills as well. The average American is not wealthy. The average American is not wealthy, and so what does that say as a country if we leave the least behind when the median net worth isn't where it should be? If we're the wealthiest nation on earth,
0: I agree. If America tackles its poverty problem and reparations problem it could heal a nation i mean and it,
1: crime it, will decrease that is how you reduce crime yeah
0: not tougher,
1: not, not tough on crime policy that's just going to lock black men up for 100 years and take them away from their families and you know create more gang violence um it's going to take money and jobs and then you'll see a reduction in crime. And then you'll see, you know, uh, better security within every community and everyone can feel safe.
0: Yeah, and I actually think to go along with your other point, if if that day were, were to happen or the day that does happen, that same uh, issue uh, or focus that you have of America's infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of... Uh, a lot of black owned companies could work on a new infrastructure to design uh because when i look at some of the stuff that they're designing in other countries i'm like yeah, we got to step up
1: you know what you brought it up i hate to say it china yeah. china's infrastructure is arguably the best in the world right now i yeah. hate to say that as an american right china's infrastructure and South Korea's infrastructure and Western Europe's infrastructure, they're doing better than we are right now, right? And 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 I'm biased towards America. And I can't help but be honest, again, I can't help but be honest and say we're lacking when it comes to infrastructure. We can't compete with Western Europe. We can't compete with China. We can't compete with South Korea. We can't compete with Southeast Asia right now, right? They've revamped their infrastructure. Uh, we haven't seen the need, or at least I'm trying to speak for uh, uh, previous political leaders in the United States. I don't know if they saw the need um, to further improve um, the infrastructure in the United States the way that I see it right now. Um, it'll also create 25 million jobs at minimum, right? Uh, if we have a national infrastructure bank to improve um uh, the infrastructure throughout the united states of america not only that because the federal government is going to be the one that provides oversight minorities vendors and minority business owners have to receive contracts as a result of mandatory uh fair share projects um uh, that will be implemented across the united states so this is a win-win for everybody uh, we just need congress to come to the table and Put it
0: into legislation. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. So you talked about the, the three initiatives that you have. How do people get uh in line where they can become the next billionaire next door?
1: Yeah, uh the billionaire next door. Uh that is a very rare occasion. Uh but since uh my neighbors uh are <laughs> next door to a 30-year-old black billionaire. Right. Uh and, and a Latino family across the street. Um it's not easy. It's 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 one of the more difficult tasks uh to to accomplish. It's it's very difficult. Well first you have to figure out what is the problem it is that you want to solve. Mm-hmm. And then um you have to make sure that there are enough customers who want that problem solved. And that is how you build a billion dollar company. It is not easy. Uh, because if everyone can do it, they will be doing it. Definitely,
0: definitely, definitely. So what are some uh, ways that people can support the movements that you have going on?
1: Uh, Well, first things first, you can visit Um, You can click my Linktree link. Or you can simply Google Daryl R. the Second, And that will give you everything you need to learn, everything you need to know about me. Uh, I'm an open book um i respond well to customer requests and inquiries um and i'm just happy to help man to be honest with you i'm happy to be doing something that i would do for free but i can no longer do it for free
0: i love that i love that and so for you that's uh creating this brand and this company Mm -hmm. that is going to uh be very revolutionary for women of color
1: yeah, man, uh, 28 Book of Poems within itself, uh, that's one for the history books. And I'm saying that as an avid reader of American literature, this book by itself, that's enough to change the trajectory of history when looking at the descendants of African-American enslaved people. Um, in addition to that, women across the diaspora of Latinos, Asian-Americans, um, and even the women in Afghanistan. But once the filming starts, and I'm able to um uh, pass the women who have already been the largest women's rights leaders in the world, uh, it just doesn't get any better than that when it comes to building a brand surrounded around a problem that I wanted to solve, yeah,
0: uh, and yeah, so I'm
1: just happy. I'm happy I became a billionaire as a result of being myself
0: well, you know, Dara, I want to thank you so much for. Uh, sitting down with us and sharing insights. Uh, I don't want this to be the last time. I want to stay in touch and continuing uh, to document your journey uh, if you allow us to. Um, Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time today. Any final thoughts before we head out?
1: Do best by everybody.
0: All right. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Black Equity Podcast.
1: All right, see you, man. Take care of yourself.